On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. All righty then. A lot of headlines today. Some confusion. Some what the heck does this mean, Dom? Uh, money. Guy has a contract. Guy doesn't have a contract. What does it all mean? That's what I'm here to help with. I'm Dominic Catronio. This is Brewers Weekly. Justin Pottinger on the ones and twos for us. Wow. Okay. So arbitration, it's a scary process. Today is not the end all be all. Let's all take a deep breath. I've said this a lot the last eight months or so of overreacting to things. Just because just because Corbin Burns does not have a contract tonight does not mean he's leaving, does not mean he's being traded, does not mean he's gonna hold that. No, it's this is just part of the process. We're gonna hear from Matt Arnold. We're going to hear from Wade Miley as well a little bit later on the show because remember that happened this week as well. That was made official. We're going to talk plenty about arbitration. We're going to talk plenty about the Wade Miley deal. We're going to talk about what Corbin Burns sees, why he's not signed. More on that in a moment. Uh, and also go around the league here as, believe it, I mean, we're a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting. One month. Here we go. I mean, it's real now, right? I mean, we're a little more than a month from games being played down in spring training as well. So... You blink, and it's going to be here. And I want to get everybody hyped up and everybody excited. I've mentioned this in last week's show. Maybe you've seen it on social media this week. On Wednesday, I hope to see you guys at Dugout 54 because we've got hot stove and cold brews. It's a totally free event. Free. Did I say it's free? Hey, Justin, it's free. January 18th, Dugout 54. We've got one heck of a lineup coming for you. We're going to be broadcasting live. Myself and Greg Matzik will be there live from 6 to 7. The doors open, though, at 4.30 because you've got a chance to take photos, mingle, and be amongst other Brewers fans with the following list of awesome names that are going to be coming joining us uh, in person at Dugout 54, such as Willie Adamas, Freddie Peralta, Craig Council, Garrett Mitchell, Owen Miller, Sal Freelich. This is going to be a lot of fun. I, I'm really in, enjoying and, and looking forward to this, getting prepped up for it. It's going to be a night that, for one, it's a great chance. I know there's no brewers on deck. I know a lot of folks are kind of frustrated about that in a way. But this is kind of what we got right now. Look, COVID ruined everything for a lot of teams, for a lot of things going on right now. And if this is the first step back, if maybe the Brewers fan, the Brewers listen one day and say, yeah, we'll bring back Brewers on deck next year. This is the baby step forward to potentially bring it back. But I'm really looking forward to seeing everybody out there. We're going to have a live panel, a live Q&A as well. Uh, more details on that coming up next week. Again, Wednesday, January 18th, Hot Stove and Cold Brews, Dugout 54. That'll be uh, live on the air here on WTMJ from 6 to 7, available in a podcast after as well. And we'd love to see your smiling faces in person. Again, doors open at 4.30. There'll be photo opportunities, no autograph opportunities, but it's an all-ages event. Hope to see you guys out there as well. Okay, let's get into arbitration here. Then we're going to hear from the guys in just a moment. Arbitration is something that's been negotiated for a long time in the labor history of baseball. We've talked a lot about labor and unions in the last year or so with the lockout this time last year. But the big thing that arbitration does is it gets 
players paid before free agency. It's a good thing in the eyes of the players. For a long time, there's a long history of the battle that this was going through, not just for free agency and all, but how long teams held your rights so that they could just set your salary for on a whim, on a year's notice, without any performance incentives. There's a great book. I highly recommend it. It's called Lords of the Realm. I know it doesn't sound like a baseball book, but it's 100% a baseball book. Lords of the Realm by John Halar, and it's everything you could ever imagine about the labor history of baseball all the way up to 1994 strike. Really, really good. Hard to get your hands on it, but I read it, reread it last year during the lockout. What arbitration does, remember, when you get signed, all right, Justin, you just got signed by the Milwaukee Brewers. Congratulations, all right? You get called up to the show. You're going to be a big leaguer, all right, Justin? You play your first three years with the Brewers. You don't have any say in your contract. You could be an all-star. You could be a league average player. You've got no say in your contract. Now, most teams will give fair raises. Not everybody does, though. And there's no reason for them to do so. That's when you'll see extensions, kind of what the Braves are doing right now, locking in a price before they know their players get maybe too rich for their own blood and they don't want to deal with the headlines of guys leaving, things like that. But hey, Justin, you just finished your third year of big league time. You've got three years of service time. You've heard that word before, service time. Once you've got at least three years of service time, you are eligible for arbitration in the final three years of your contract. When you first make it to the big leagues, you're a big leaguer. Your contract goes for six years. As long as you have six years of service time, you will then become, after that, assuming you play that sixth season, you will be a free agent in your seventh year. So for years four, five, and six, you now finally have a say in what you want to make in your contract. It's called arbitration. The way this works, it's exactly as the definition says, Justin, I think you're worth $2 million. But your agent comes back to me and says, no, no, he's worth $3 million. And I'm, I'm the person, eh, you know, I, I, I see what you're saying, but we, we're really staying put. How's 2.15? And they're like, no, how's 2.75? And this happens, and this goes back and forth. And finally, the logical conclusion, well, let's just meet at the middle. How's 2.5 million for next season sound, Justin? Good? Good. And that's what this week was like. When you hear the word settled in arbitration or avoided arbitration, it's the teams exchanging numbers with each other to decide, okay, we don't want to take this to the next step, and I'm more on that next step, but where we just sit here and say, look, Willie Adamas, you had a great year, set a franchise record for shortstops. Uh, our model says that you're worth maybe about 8.5, 8.8 million. But then Willie's agents may say, well, you know what? We think he's worth $9 million. We think he's worth $9.2 million. Negotiations happen. Then you sit down and you get to the result today that he avoided arbitration for $8.7 million. But Dom, you're saying they avoided arbitration, but they're arbiting. They're, they're negotiating. You're right. But after today's deadline, unofficial deadline, I should might add, more on that in the next segment. But this now begins the process of actual legal arbitration, where if they still cannot come to an agreement between, in the Brewers' case, the only player they do not have an agreement with is Corbin Burns, that come February, come spring training, when these hearings are heard by an independent arbiter, this is exactly what happens. If In the case of Justin, our producer here, Justin walks forward and his agent presents, hey, look, he was worth three war last year, he hit 275, he hit 20 homers, uh, he plays a good center field, yada, yada, yada. He th- we think he's worth $3 million. But then the Brewers and their brass and their front office has to come forward and say, 
Here are all the reasons why Justin is not worth $3 million and why we put him at $2 million. When you file for arbitration, that number is locked in. When you actually are in the courtroom, you cannot reach a settlement anymore. There is going to be a winner and there is going to be a loser. And the arbiter listens to both cases and says, I side with Justin and slams the gavel down. I side with Justin. You're going to make $3 million this year. Or, as most often the case, I side with the team. You're going to make $2 million. Last year, Adrian Hauser was the only player that took the Brewers to arbitration. He lost his case. We're going to have audio. In fact, Matt Arnold was asked point blank about not wanting to go to a hearing with Corbin Burns. We're going to hear from Matt about this. Gave you the numbers of all the guys that were eligible for arbitration today. I hope that helps. I hope that makes sense. If you want to join in on the show as well, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. That's the Old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank. Get old. Stay with us. This is Brewers Weekly. Yeah, this one right here goes out to all the babies, mamas, mamas. I just want to let this ride a little bit. I love this song. Welcome back. Brewers Weekly. I'm Dominic Catronio. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank, get old. One texter already asking, what was the name of the book I mentioned a moment ago? Lords of the Realm. It's really hard to find a copy of it. It hasn't been in publication for a long time, but Amazon's amazing. It was a hand-me-down for me. Uh, I recommend it. Lords of the Realm. It's a long read, but it's fascinating. It goes all the way back to the origins. There's some Milwaukee in there, some Bud Selig in there. Uh, it, it's really fascinating of uh, the origins of baseball and the origins of the American League, for that matter, as well. Furthermore, let's talk about labor today, arbitration. We're going to play a game at the end of this segment. Justin, I want you to participate in this game, too. At the very end of this segment, we're going to do a little blind resume challenge here, and it helps explain what Corbin Burns is going through right now. You may have seen the headline today. Corbin Burns has not agreed to a contract for 2023. That sounds scarier than it actually is. He's under team control. He's under team control for two more years under arbitration. He's the only player of the... 14 coming into this offseason that were eligible for arbitration that did not come to an agreement before today's soft deadline. It's called a soft deadline because teams are still allowed to negotiate between now and the hearing, but some teams kind of use it as a hard line stance saying, look, we want it to be done by this day, and if we couldn't get it done by this day, we're taking you to a hearing. Some teams are that hard line with it. Brewers, not so much, but that's something that does happen elsewhere. So I just want to go through the the numbers here real quick. Uh, Some of the highest paid players now on the Brewers as far as arbitration goes. Brandon Woodruff making $10.8 million in his second year of arbitration. Willie Adamas making $8.7 million this year in arbitration. Then it takes a little bit of a step down. Eric Lauer is the next highest paid player in arbitration at $5.075 million. Then it's Rowdy just shy of $5 million. Then Luis Urias at $4.7 million. Then we move over to Adrian Hauser, who, as we mentioned a moment ago, took the Brewers to a hearing, lost that hearing. He gets his projected number at 3.6. Devin Williams gets a massive raise in his first year of arbitration. He's up to $3.35 million this year. He deserves every penny of it. Victor Caratini settled earlier in the week at $2.8 million. Uh, earlier in the offseason, we also saw Mike Brasso settle at 1.4, and Matt Bush settle way earlier at 1.85. And Abraham Toro, the newest brewer, uh, settling for 1.25, and then Hobie Milner at one million and a quarter, uh, or excuse me, 1.025. 
for his total. So that's the whole rundown. The projected number for Corbin Burns was $11.5 million. That's according to Matt Swartz and MLB Trade Rumors. He's got a great model, and he's been right more often than not. But let's just hear from the man himself, Matt Arnold, on what today was like not able to agree with Corbin Burns. Well, we, we can, we're still open to having conversations. You know, Corbin's a super talented player, um, and, it, and it's a unique case, right? They're, they're very, you know, very relevant comparables for him on, on both sides of the ledger that makes sense, and it's, it's certainly just part of the process. You know, we, we, we certainly don't want anyone to take any of these negotiations personally. We love these guys, uh, like crazy. And, you know, it's just a, a day like today is something where, you know, people have their, their thoughts and their opinions about where they, they need to be. And, and again, we were thrilled to get, um, you know, the, the vast majority of these deals done where, where, where both sides are, are happy with the outcome. Uh, and certainly respect uh, Corbin's uh, stance on this as well. I love hearing that from Matt Arnold, the respect of Corbin's stance, because this is the power of the player. They have the option to say, I, I don't feel like signing it. I don't think that's enough of what I'm worth. And quite frankly, Cy Young Award winner, he's been a top seven Cy Young Award finalist in the last four seasons. He's undoubtedly your best pitcher. He's going to be opening day starter for the second straight year. He's been very healthy the last couple of seasons as well. He's... A superstar in the making. I mean, he's. You ask anyone in the National League and ask, who do you most afraid to face? And it's Corbin Burns. And as always comes up this time of year, extensions. This extensions are a way to bypass arbitration. It's a way that you can avoid the, you know, the headache that is listening, bickering back and forth. Look at what the Braves are doing, what the Mariners did with Luis Castillo, things of that nature. He was asked. Matt Arnold was about potential extensions, not just for Burns, but for Willie Adamas and for Brandon Woodruff. Yeah, I, I can't get into any details on, on contract discussions. Uh, what I can say is that today, today is just exchange day, um, and it, it doesn't cut us off from having any conversations uh, the rest of the way. I mean, are you surprised? <laughs> I mean, of course he's not going to say, if, you know, uh, when we hear about an extension, it'll be when it's done, uh, if it happens, quite frankly. I, I hope it happens but I'm not sure it's going to happen at this point. Both guys, or all three guys, I should say, Burns, Woodruff, and Adamas, have this year and next year, and then they're free agents heading into the 2025 season. So there is a little bit of time. It can happen in a moment's notice. I mean, Yelich kind of caught us all off guard in 2020. Little did we know what was going to happen the rest of that year. So... Let's let it play out. This may come down to the buzzer. You know, maybe a final year deal or they get traded. I don't know. But extensions, not currently, you know, public information at this point. When it comes to the next process, remember we laid out how arbitration works in the previous segment. That if you go to the hearing and the team and the teams, you know, both the agents and the team are still apart and you actually go to the arbiter and you go to the final step where there's a winner and a loser, and it's always kind of a, you talk to players, nobody likes it. It's very uh, saying the quiet part out loud, if you will, meaning here's every little flaw we have with you and why we're not going to pay you. Some guys, I mean, it's not going to be a hopefully a wide margin, but this is why teams are very focused on this. And this is kind of arbitration and the correlations leading into last year's CBA with the lockout. Remember, there was the title belts among front offices about who spent the least in arbitration, who got the least amount of money paid based on what the projections said they should have paid. 
that really soured relationships with players and with teams and trust was frayed and now the new CBA has changed some things and just the whole process is not fun. Here's what Matt Arnold had to say about it. I think ultimately that's that's why this system is set up. I mean, no, nobody in, enjoys, I think, the, the process of, of arbitration, right? And, you know, it's just, it's, you know, it's when when we're on the same team, that's what it's ultimately about. And so that, that this process is set up, hopefully, to, to resolve a lot of that um, in, a, in a, you know, in arbitration fashion. And so uh, they're always tough conversations. We know the process isn't fun, but it's also part of the business. Um, but that being said, we, we care a ton about our players and, you know, we want to come to, to, to great outcomes for both sides and then just get back to watching uh, our heroes play the game that we love. You know, that's, that's what it's all about. It's nothing personal. It's just business. Heard that before. So I want to play this game. And earlier there was a quote in there from Matt Arnold about the comparables and what the rest of the league looks like. Because arbitration, we talk about free agency and setting the market. And this guy made this much money, so this guy has to make at least this much money. That happens in arbitration, too. So, Justin, we're going to play a game here. Justin Pottinger, our producer here tonight on Brewers Weekly. Sure. What's going on? All right. So here's what we got. I've got player A, player B, and player C. And you can text in. You can call in as well if you want to participate. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank. Get old. So player A. Let me give you player A. Okay. This player... A little over 600 career innings. He's 29 years old. 8.8 strikeouts per nine for his career. A 1.16 whip. A 3.30 FIP. And I know these numbers are tough to write down and remember. But the the big number I want you to remember, whip and FIP. 1.16, 3.30. So for whip and FIP. And then strikeouts a little less than nine. That's player A. Player B. 26 years old, 600 innings, just under nine strikeouts per nine, 1.09 whip, so better than player A's. But his FIP is worse, 3.44. Okay, so player A, 3.30, player B, 3.44, then player C, 2.85 for FIP. Player C's whip is also better than those two players, 1.04. Player C's strikeouts per nine is also better than those two players, 11.7. And that player C is 28 years old. Which of those, just with those blind numbers, is the most valuable player? This is such a trick question. Uh, Well, C. Okay. C. I'm going to reveal the answer coming up on the other side of this break. We're going to talk more about arbitration, about this really tough process. You're listening to Brewers Weekly. All right, we played a little, a little game heading into the break. For folks listening to this in the podcast after the fact, I actually am going to tweet out this blind resume so folks can see it a little easier. But for the sake of this exercise, Justin Pottinger, our producer, was subject to it. I'm Dominic Catronio, by the way. Thanks for tuning in. So just a quick refresher. Player A, solid numbers. 3.30 FIP, a 1.16 whip and a little less than nine strikeouts per nine, 29 years old. Player B had a better, had a worse FIP, but better whip than player A, and was younger, 26 years old, but virtually the same strikeout rate. And then player C had both a better FIP and a better whip and a better strikeout rate, 
than the other players, but was 28 years old. So only one year younger than player A. So the big reveal, Justin said that he wanted to use player C. And I would agree with him. Player C was Corbin Burns. So Corbin Burns, in his career to this point, he's entering his age 28 season, 515 innings, 11.7 strikeouts per nine, less than 1.05 whip. That's tremendous. 2.85 FIP. That's also tremendous. And a 3.21 career ERA. ERA is ERA. We're we're still going to use it for the sake of easy to talk about. His projected salary this year was $11.4 million on arbitration in his second year of arbitration. Okay. So player A, who was player A, the 29-year-old? That's Max Freed. Max Freed with a career 1.167 whip, 8.8 strikeouts per nine, and a 3.30 FIP, fielding independent pitching, and a 3.09 career ERA. So he's got a better ERA if you're just looking at ERA. That's why we don't just look at ERA. But he settled today for $12.2 million. So hold up now. If I'm Corbin Burns' representation, I'm saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. My guy's got a Cy Young. My guy's an opening day starter, too, for back-to-back years. He's got better numbers. He's a little younger. He's got to be making at least the same amount of cash as Max Freed. That may be where the holdup is. Or how about player B? Who was player B? It's a little bit different with player B. It's Julio Urias. Julio settled earlier in the arbitration process at $14 million, 14 and a quarter. But here's the catch. He was a Super 2 player, meaning he got an extra year of arbitration. So this is his last year, his fourth year of arbitration. He's been hurt a lot, but he had a great year last year. He's thrown 600 innings in his career, less than nine strikeouts per nine, just about. His whip is just a few decimal points higher than Corbin Burns, but his fielding independent pitching is worse by about a half a run than Corbin Burns. But his ERA is better at 2.82, but he is also two and a half years younger. So you see where this all kind of slots in, trying to figure things out, that Corbin Burns probably feels he should be making at least $12.2 million like Max Fried, who's also in his second year of arbitration. They're within a year in age, or very similar numbers. And then the other guy that's waiting on all this is Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber did not come to a settlement today. Shane Bieber also in his second year of arbitration. He's also 28 years old. He's thrown more innings than Burns and, than, and Freed. He's got really good strikeout numbers, about one strikeout less per nine than Burns. Really good whip. Virtually the same as Julio Urias's whip. His FIP is right at three, 3.00, and his ERA is 3.17. He was projected to make $10 million this year. So again, Burns was projected to make 11.4. Bieber was projected to make $10 million. I bet both those guys are saying, wait a minute. If Freed's getting 12.2, we've got hardware. We've got Cy Young's. Pay up. So that's kind of how it all works out. Now I just wanted to have a little game, have a little fun with that one. Did you learn something new there, Justin? Did you, were you surprised by the, the ins and the outs of the arbitration process? I always learn something new. Oh, I appreciate you. You don't mean that. As we're rolling on. I want to get to the text line here as well. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. This texture says, So this offseason, the Brewers have traded a lot of their good hitters. They have added William Contreras, which is a good thing. However, I fail to see the good in the Brewers' batting lineup. They only have Adamas, Telez, and now Contreras. They need to add another good bat. Their bullpen and starting pitching is good. 
They can stop focusing on that. Just add another freaking baseball hitter. <laughs> I like that last line. <laughs> another freaking baseball hitter. Uh, there are not many out there, man. It, it, hitting's down across the board, but here's, here's my compromise to you. You didn't leave your name or where you're from, but I appreciate the text. Here's my compromise. What if the good hitter is already in the organization and his name is Garrett Mitchell or his name is Joey Weimer or his name is Bryce Terang? You got to look at these rookies that are going to be playing at some point. Even Sal Freelick, he's going to be in the big leagues at some point this year. You got to look at those four players as acquisitions, saying, you know, folks are mad about the lack of free agent ads, the lack of the lack of trades, and that. What if you just took a player like that? And said, oh, we're getting this new guy, new guy coming in. It's the same theory. I know it's not real in practice, but I would get excited about Garrett Mitchell. I would get excited about. Sal Freelich, I will get excited about Terang. I'm especially excited for Joey Weimer, and then eventually down the road, Jackson Trudio. The Brewers did things a little bit differently this year. I agree, though. The offense is going to be the major question mark. And the starting pitching is going to be phenomenal. Sixth and seventh inning still leaves some questions, but it feels like the back end of the bullpen is a rock solid. So I appreciate the question. Let's talk about some reinforcements, though, in the next segment. Wade Miley is back with the Brew Crew. He officially met with the media this week as well. More on Wade and uh, some other minor deals that happened this week coming up here on Brewers Weekly. Catch more Brewers Weekly coming up on WTMJ. I'm Dominic Catronio. We've talked a lot about money. We've talked a lot about the business side so far in the show tonight. Let's let's talk about a reunion. A little bit of money to be involved in this. Wade Miley coming back to the Brew Crew. Man, 2018 was... It's about to be five years ago, Justin. Are we getting old? Are we washed? Are we lame now? Granted, I mean, five years ago, you were in high school, right? Five years ago? Were you even in, were you even in high school yet? Oh, my God. I'm joking. Know. I know. I don't even know. Senior, well, I was close. Senior year or freshman year of college. Five years ago, I was work. I just got the Snapchat notification. Five years ago, I was, this week was my last day during, uh, the baseball offseason in minor league baseball, I was working at a Macy's during baseball offseasons, and my last day at Macy's was this week, uh, January 18th, 2018. So uh, I'm very excited about that. That just yeah, shows you how go. much can there change in five years. Now I'm sitting here talking to you. So five years since Wade Miley was started a game, then was pulled from a game, and then goes to the Astros. It seemed like a good deal. Was really a great pitcher for the Astros in 2019 until the second half. Really, just the last two months of the season completely fell apart for them. Uh, didn't even pitch in the World Series for them when they lost to the Nationals. He did pitch in the NLC, ALCS against the Yankees. But then Miley goes in 2020. 2020 was weird for everybody. He was with the Reds. He was hurt. 2021, he had a great year with the Reds. 2022 was practically given for free to the Cubs. But then he was hurt most of last year. Now he's back here in Milwaukee, set to compete for a starting role. Here's what he had to say about seeing the team the last couple of years as a visitor and what he's always loved about this squad. Um, I remember 2017 going in there and playing with the Brewers and seeing how much fun they were having in that dugout. I was like, man, that, that, I was in Baltimore. We were pretty miserable over there, not very good. And uh, and then getting there in 18 and, and having that fun and seeing that, man, it was a blast. And, and for the most part since then, I feel like every team I've been on, it's kind of been like that. He was really personable. He was smiling. He was great to uh, to chat with this week as well. And when it when it comes to just thinking about 2018 and the magic that that team had, 
he he would love to channel it again. I don't know if it feels like 2018 all over again, but um, hopefully we can maybe spark some of that magic up and, and you know get on a good run again. I know I know there's definitely a pitching staff over there to do it with. You got two of the best guys uh, in baseball leading that group, and um, I'm definitely excited to get back um, and be a part of it. There's some contract details here I do want to touch on as well. He is guaranteed for this season $4.5 million. There are performance incentives to have him make up to $6 million this year. And there's a mutual option for next year. And I thought this was a smart call. Now, he can have a great year. And the Brewers, of course, maybe would agree to a mutual option. But he would say, you know what? Maybe I can get some more cash out on the open market. So that's part of the reason why. But I really like this deal. I I think 36 years old, there is fair to concern. But it's a position of depth. He's not going to be anchored in this rotation. He's going to be, you know, the five or even the six, depending on how you how you shake things down. In his best years, he'll throw over 150 innings through 163 innings in 2021. In 2019, through 167 innings. In 2017, he threw 157 innings. Uh, in 2016, 166 innings. And then even before that, when he was younger, he was throwing over 175 innings every single season. So, uh, a fun little bit of trivia. 2012, he was second in AL Rookie of the Year voting in 2012. Do you want to guess who was uh, the winner that year? Justin, real quick off the top of your head, who was Rookie of the Year uh, that year in, uh, in the NL Rookie of the Year in 2012? Oh, my God. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Who is it? Bryce Harper. Yeah, I don't think oh. he was going to win that one. Yeah. But he was second. <laughs> so uh, Bryce Harper, in fact, he gave it a good run. I could have guessed that. Harper yeah. had 16 first-place votes. Miley had 12 Todd Frazier had three that year, and here's a blast from the past. How did this guy get a first-place vote is beyond me. Uh, Willine Rosario got a first-place vote in 2012 Rookie of the Year. He finished fourth that year. Rosario hasn't played in the big league since 2015, just in case you're wondering. Uh, Wade Miley, I really love the pickup. I really think this is an example, and and, uh, Matt Arnold talked about it too with us, that depth is never a bad thing. Competition is good. You look at the opening day lineup and the opening day rotation, it's going to be Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, Eric Lauer, probably Wade Miley then, and then you can decide, do you want Adrian Hauser? Do you want uh, Aaron Ashby? Do you want Bryce Wilson? There are options to choose from for the Brew Crew at the back end of the rotation as needed. So all that to be figured out here in the next month or so as we move closer to spring training. Uh, join us on the Old National Bank Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. More to come here on Brewers Extra Innings. Catch more Brewers Weekly coming up on WTMJ. Rolling along here on Brewers Weekly. A lot of headlines to get to around baseball today and the last few days as well. If you want to get to the Old National Bank call and text line, 855-616-1620, Old National Bank, get old. Ricky's been waiting patiently through the break. Ricky, you're live here on Brewers Weekly. Yes, hello. Um, I just want to say I'm a huge Brewers fan, and I have a friend who's a Cubs fan, and uh, we go quite a bit at it, and especially this offseason. It hasn't been very good for the Brewers. Um, they traded Hunter Renfro and Colton Wan away. And uh, hope and they ended up adding uh, William Contreras, which uh, helps out the offense a little bit. And so uh, I'm just hoping that they can um, 
add another offensive piece so they can uh, maybe do a little bit better throughout opening day and even including the rest of the season coming up. And uh, hopefully pretty soon they could agree to a turn with Corbin Burns to get him on the uh, opening day roster. And so I think their uh, starting rotation is really solid, but their bullpen, it could use another one or two maybe guys. But other than that, uh, besides one or two bullpen guys and more offensive hitter guys, I think this team is good. Um, I just have one more thing to add here. You know, I look at the Brewers on the Internet, and it says, do you think it would make sense for trading this player? And it's kind of like, yeah, it makes sense, but and the Brewers don't end up doing it. Uh, it kind of gets me mad because that player would be really a good help, but hopefully the Brewers can sign a good player to help out this team this year. Thank you. All right, Ricky. Appreciate you, man. So let me let me talk about the offense real quick. And I've got the list of uh, free agents available uh, right now here on uh, Fangraphs. If you don't subscribe to Fangraphs, by the way, you should. It's the best website on the planet. And the here are the available bats right now still. Okay? This is all that's left. Elvis Andrews, Jerickson Profar, David Peralta, Josh Harrison, Gary Sanchez. Oh, you want somebody else? Okay, Trey Mancini, Adam Duvall. Jose Iglesias. You see what I'm saying here? None of those guys, not a single one of them, is better than anybody the Brewers have right now. Not a single one. I'm sorry. They're they're fine players in their own right, but for a team that's very smart and knows its limitations with cash, you don't just go throwing money at these guys. I'm sorry. It's If they turn out to be good little backups and depth pieces, that's great. But the Brewers have always been a team that relies on player development, trades, and being creative. And again, I, I look at an opening day outfield that's going to feature Christian Yelich in left, Garrett Mitchell in center, Tyrone Taylor in right. Remember, you still got Tyrone Taylor. And you'll have William Contreras DHing on the days he's not catching. You'll have Jesse Winker DHing. Don't forget about Winker. I think a lot of folks have forgotten about Winker. And I did a YouTube video actually on Jesse Winker. You can check that out as well. Dom Brewers, WTMJ on YouTube. I think Winker's a sneaky pick for a breakout year. What do you think, Justin? I think he's. I think a lot of folks are writing off Jesse Winker for one bad season. I love Jesse. He's got a bat, and Brewers need some hitting. So And left-handed hitting that isn't afraid of lefties. He, he's fine against lefties. He doesn't you know disappear against lefties. But he's also especially patient and great with the bat. He doesn't strike out. He's one of the best eyes in all of baseball. So that's something that's right up the Brewers' alley. I appreciate the call, though, Ricky. Uh, I want to get in some headlines around baseball coming up in our final segment here. We're getting here to wrap up here at the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. This is Brewers Weekly. Let's get it. All right, wrapping things up here on Brewers Weekly, I'm Dominic Catronio. Thanks for the participation here on tonight's show. I want to get some headlines this week. Uh, one of the things that we forgot to mention at this point, Justin Topo was traded, and it feels like he was kind of swept under the rug because it happened on Saturday, and this is our first show since last Thursday, yada, yada. Well, Justin Topo was traded for a minor league starter, and let me read you Joseph Hernandez's numbers. He's only 22 years old. He was the California League Pitcher of the Year last season. He was 9-5, and 3.39 ERA, 24 games, 22 starts, 116 innings for the first time in his career, 
over 11 strikeouts per nine innings, but four walks per nine innings. So want to get that control under control. But I, I like the move. The Brewers have a lot of arms to choose from. They also are really giving Gus Varland a look, a Rule 5 pick from the Dodgers this past offseason into spring training. And Topo was starting to get squeezed out. Trevor Kelly was DFA'd earlier this week to make room for Bryce Wilson as well. So there's a lot happening in the back end of the bullpen that maybe. Wait, what happened to Justin Topa? Yeah, he's gone. He's with the Mariners now. I like this pick, and looking at some film of him, there's a lot of similarities with Freddie Peralta. He's not the tallest guy in the world. He really slings it from a three-quarter slot. His slider's his best pitch. And he's from the Dominican. Where have you heard that before? I mean, it sounds like a mini Freddie Peralta. Now, he's still very young. He's 22 years old. A lot to be developed. But maybe this is one of those that we look back on and say, oh, hey, Matt Arnold, nice move there. Other moves that happened in baseball this week. Uh, the Carlos Correa saga is finally over. Six-year deal, $200 million guaranteed from the Minnesota Twins going back to where he was last year. So he made $35 million last year. He'll be making $33 million for the next two years. It'll go up to $37 million in 2025, then break its way back down in 2028. Then there are vesting options in each of the final Four years. So this is where it gets interesting and why the hang-up was with the ankle and everything going on. So he's guaranteed for six years, but it can, if everything works out, go up for a total of 10 years. And it's at $200 million right now. It can go up to $270 million over the life of the deal if he plays out the entire contract. There's vesting options, meaning uh, you have to hit this threshold in order for the contract to automatically go into effect. It's a team option if it doesn't get that. So in 2029, when he'll be entering his age 34 season, he'll need at least 575 plate appearances, a top five MVP vote, a silver slugger, or a series MVP in the previous year. And that kind of staggers its way down for the last four years of his deal. So Carlos Correa is officially part of the border battle. Uh, other news that we saw with the World Baseball Classic coming around, it's... Man, Team Japan is freaking loaded, guys. Team Japan might win this again. Team USA is loaded, I know, too. I'm getting ready to get hyped for the World Baseball Classic. We'll have more looking ahead to that down the road. But just looking at Team Japan's roster, and before you get ahead of yourself, yes, Lars Newtbar, the Cardinal, is on Team Japan. I guess it's through uh, his uh, mother's side of the family. His father is Dutch, if I'm not mistaken, and then his mother is Japanese. So by that virtue, he's able to play for Team Samurai in Japan. So I'm stoked for that. I can't wait for that. And today the news coming out, Andrew McCutcheon going back to Pittsburgh. I think that's a fun story. A one-year deal reuniting where he made his big run. Maybe this is the end of the career for Andrew McCutcheon, but very happy for Kutch. He was great to the media, great to the fans. Wish him nothing but the best going back home to Pittsburgh, where his family's still been living, by the way, throughout all of his travels uh, heading up to 2023. You can catch the show on Apple Podcasts. If you didn't catch it live, you can tell your friends, WTMJ.com as well. Uh, also, my YouTube page, Dom Brewers WTMJ. You can follow me on Twitter at Dom underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O. Justin Pottinger, our producer tonight. Thanks again to my friend on the ones and twos. I'm Dom Catronio. Until next time, keep on swinging.